This episode is brought to you by Bondi Sands Everyday Skincare. We're all destined to be unique because if we're all uniform, there's nothing interesting about it. And if there's something about you that makes you stand out from the rest of the crowd, accept it, embrace it. And if you want to know what you're passionate about, just search your heart and see what you love to do and what you love. Life is not a race. Life is a journey. Life is, a, is like a book. Chapters are like years. Pages are like months. And paragraphs are like days. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Lovely neighborhood. What a whirlwind few weeks it's been. I can't believe it's already April. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm counting down until the Easter break to catch up with myself again. It's been so delightful to work with real life people in the flesh and travel around again. Of course, I've gotten overexcited as usual and episodes have been dropping all over the shop between Survivor, Yays of Our Lives and the regular schedule. But I hope it's been keeping things fresh for you and keeping you on your toes. I couldn't be more excited to be back to our regular programming this week with a guest with whom many of us have fallen in love from afar. I didn't intend it this way, but it's funny how things work out. We recorded this the day after his birthday and a few days before mine, plus we're releasing it now during World Autism Awareness Month, kicking off with United Nations sanctioned World Autism Awareness Day just days ago on April 2nd. Yep, I am so thrilled to have Love on the Spectrum star Michael Theo joining us this week. You might remember Ange and I recommended this brilliant show in a Yays of Our Lives episode. It is such a wholesome and uplifting docuseries following seven young neurodiverse adults on the autism spectrum as they explore the wild world of dating. Michael in particular captured hearts all over the world with his passion for finding his person and constant zingers, making his way even onto the Ellen show and drawing guests on his own podcast, Mr. A+, like stars from his favourite TV show and mine, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Having only been told about his autism diagnosis at 13 years old, Michael sees his neurodiversity as a gift, not a burden. And in listening today, I hope you see why. Michael Theo, or should I say, Mr. A+, welcome to Seize the Yay. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. It is such an honor and a privilege. I'm really trying hard not to fangirl you right now, but most importantly, before we begin, happy birthday for yesterday. Thanks. Thank you. It's my birthday on Thursday. I think all great people are born in late March and Ellen got you a Paul Smith suit. I can't do that for you today. She did, did, yes. (laughs) How did you celebrate? Celebrate what? Your birthday. We didn't really celebrate yet. Yet? What are you doing? Do you have anything planned? Not really. But to be honest, my idea of of celebrating my birthday is just having a quiet, low-key dinner with a woman, one-on-one. I love this. I actually have got – I'm married, but – 
If I were ever to be single again, I have gained a lot of dating tips and knowledge from listening to your podcast. You've had some incredibly useful advice that you were sharing on the show. Oh, so, <laughs> so before we get into your story, which I call your way to yay or your path yay, I ask a little icebreaker at the start of every show and you've become such a beloved TV star with your own amazing show called Mr. A Plus with guests like Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So as I mentioned, I'm fangirling you right now. You've become a global celebrity, but you Thanks. said in one of your interviews about wanting to know how people are or who they are off screen as well as who they are on screen. Yes. So I thought I'd ask, what is the most down-to-earth thing about you, the most normal thing that we wouldn't necessarily assume because you're such a celebrity, but what's something that is just really relatable about you? Well, I'll tell you some things about me. I absolutely hate loud noises. Really? Yep. What, what do you love other than Brooklyn Nine-Nine, obviously? Well, there's several other shows I love. There's there's um, news radio, Thomas the Tank Engine, of course. I heard about Thomas the Tank Engine. Also love Thomas the Tank. And also Modern Family and The Good Place and The Big Bang Theory. Big Bang. I also heard you have an eidetic memory, so you're basically Sheldon. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. That's incredible. But to be honest, I'm actually I have a photographic memory with, with things that I'm passionate about, not about everything. Your recall of episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the script is absolutely incredible. I've heard you do Thanks. several impressions of several characters. Who's your favourite yeah. character? Probably Captain Holt and Kevin. Right. And Cheddar? Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody loves that dog. He's a great dog. He's a great dog. Oh. And I also noticed a few things about Amy. Ooh. Is Amy your ideal girl? Do you uh, think that you'd date a, Amy? Not exactly. <laughs> She reminds me too much of a high school student. Yes, very highly strung and lots of facial expressions. I think you and Stephanie were talking about her facial expressions. Yep. And my mother has a very expressive face as well. You said actually, you said in that episode that she reminds you of your mother. And they also both have olive skin and Latin genes because Melissa Fumero is that, has a Cuban background while my mother is half Italian. Oh, I love your mum. She was so great on the show. Does she have lots of fans as well? Yes, because literally <laughs> everybody loves my mother. <laughs> She's become a sl- I should get her on the podcast. She sounds like the famous one. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. But she has obviously raised a beautiful human in you, Mr. A+. And I think one of the things that happens often when we meet someone through a TV show or through a podcast is we often meet them at a chapter in their lives where – it seems like people woke up knowing what they wanted to do or knowing what they're passionate about, but everyone has gone through lots of different chapters and diversions often to get to where they are. So I like to go back to the very beginning, as you said, to get to know who you are, not what you do, but who you are and what you love and what's given you that feeling of yay your whole life. So can you take us back to very young you, what you were like as a child? I have heard that you were diagnosed as autistic at five, but you didn't find out until you were 13. So can you tell yeah. us a bit about what your childhood was like? Well, in my primary school years, I was constantly off in my own world. And I often sat alone at school by choice because um, I just liked being alone. And plus, I didn't have any social skills at the time. And I was barely invited to things as well, compared to the likes of my siblings as well. But also, when I got into my high school years, um, 
I became more worrisome as I got into high school and because there was more work to do and the maths was harder and the assignments and the exams and because of the poor levels of maturity of the other students, (laughs) which I found annoying. And (laughs) I just hated high school in general. Mm. I think quite a lot of people find that if they don't find that their particular type of intelligence or creativity is appreciated or recognised that it's not a very nice time of their lives. Mm. And um, my mother didn't tell me that I had Asperger's until I was 13 because when I was in primary school, I most likely would not have understood what it was at the time because I was only a kid back then. And, again, I was always in my own world and I kind of look back on that with a degree of embarrassment. Mm. What did it feel like for you when you did understand what Asperger's was? And also for those of our listeners who don't know what Asperger's is, can you explain a bit about how that might manifest? Asperger's is basically a milder form of autism. It's a developmental disorder affecting ability to effectively socialise and communicate. Some people with um, Asperger's have, um, have these unique gifts of um, being able to do puzzles extremely well. In less, probably in less, maybe in less time than some people, and they have repetitive and restricted interests by choice, as mm. I did too. The only thing is, they just have social issues, but they just can't help that. Did you find once you found out that you had Asperger's that it helped explain things to you? Was yeah. it hard for you to process, or was it a good thing to find out? Well, it didn't bother me much, really because my mother explained it thoroughly enough Mm. and I never really saw it as a hindrance or a burden for that matter, just something that I instantly came to terms with. Right. I've heard you say a couple of times that even though autism and any of the conditions on the spectrum can be quite misunderstood in broader society, I love that you have always really seen it as a gift more than a burden. Why do you see it as a gift. Can you explain what you mean by that? Oh, yeah. That's just my personal perception of it because um, I have a photographic memory. I'm able to remember scenes from films or shows and lines almost instantly. And um, I'm very knowledgeable about certain things I'm passionate about, like um, railways, animals, and acting. And France and Germany, I hear. No, England and Germany, I hear that you're very knowledgeable about. (laughs) Well, I'm not exactly knowledgeable about it. I'm just passionate about the cultures. Right. It's because the thing is I've just never been interested in history. That's really interesting. But you find like the current culture and the languages, is that what you find interesting? Yeah. I just don't really find the um, the past cultures, um, well, let's just say that there have been times where they haven't been the best. One thing I think you have become a really wonderful role model for for many people around the world now is teaching us to embrace our differences and what makes us unique rather than trying to suppress those things. And I think for yeah. a lot of our life we try and fit in, so we try and be the same as everyone else. Mm. What do you say to people who, whether it's because of being on the spectrum or any other reason why they might be different, that they're trying to fit in during school or university, what advice would you give to people about getting comfortable with who you are? Let me just say, I'm going to put this very bluntly. (laughs) God loves uniqueness. We're all destined to be unique because if we're all uniform, there's nothing interesting about it. 
And if there's something about you that makes you stand out from the rest of the crowd, accept it, embrace it. And if those people can't accept you for who you are or what you are, then they're obviously the wrong crowd. <laughs> Only the right crowd will, will accept you for who you are and what you are, regardless of whatever differences you guys have. Because only true friends really accept you for who, who you really are. That's incredible advice. I feel like all of us need to write that down and, and <laughs> reflect on it every day. And those people that can't even bring themselves to accept you for, for who you are, that's their problem. They can just, you know, take it with, with someone else. Absolutely. So when did you first decide that you were passionate about acting? I know that that's something that you aspire to become and to work in. I find it really interesting how we form our interests. When did you know you wanted to get into entertainment or the media? When I was a very little kid. I don't remember what age, but I was extremely young back then. Did you have a role model? Was there some someone who was an actor that you wanted to become or be like? <sighs> nope. A lot of actors in general, because they're all great. That's why with a lot of my favorite shows, I don't exactly have a biggest highlight of, of any cast because they're all great. Mm. And so now that you've become a TV star, I mean, you're pretty much already there. How did the opportunity for Love on the Spectrum arise? What made you say yes? Well, let me put it this way. I'm with an employment agency called At Work Australia, Norman Pictures contacted them for any potential candidates. They recommended me, but also I repeatedly called Norman Pictures because I was so eager to get on the show. Well, right. because I saw it as a golden opportunity to help me find a partner. Yes. I didn't do this for fame. I only did it as a chance to find a woman. I heard that your biggest dream, I think it was in the, the first episode when someone asked, what, what's your dream? What do you want to be when you grow up? And you said a husband. Yep, that's still one of my goals, but I've also got two more. What are your other goals? Becoming an actor and also having my own place. Right. Oh, amazing. So back to the first goal, becoming a husband. Yeah. You mentioned that one of the challenges with having Asperger's is to be able to express yourself in social contexts the way that you might like to yeah. and that that had been hard when you were trying to find a partner before the show. Yeah. How did being on the show change that? Did you learn a lot of things? You got well, to chat to some amazing people. It just basically gave me opportunities to meet new people and it made me, and it led to me making friends outside the show and um, it also made me decide the kind of things I would like a woman. What are those things? Well, she basically has to be a beautiful, loving woman with a pure heart who comes from a good family. And she also has to handle being an actor's wife. <laughs> if she can't, that's kind of a deal breaker. It is a deal breaker. Right. <laughs> and how do you, I think a lot of the world has fallen in love with you because you were very smooth on some of your dates that you went on on the show. What were some of your favourite memories from being on the show? Meeting Dawn Wells was the biggest highlight. Oh, I loved that episode. She signed your book, didn't she? She did, yes. But that, that was actually a cookbook that she um, published back in 1993. Wow. I bought it secondhand on eBay. 
<laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, now you could sell it with her signature. <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, some really cool things have happened to you since being on the show, not only yeah. being able to practice dating, but also you've been interviewed by Ellen and yeah. only the most famous people in the world get to go on Ellen. What yeah. was that like? That was quite an honour. Even my mother, my mother was, was outside my quarters this room, um, getting all excited like a 15-year-old woman, <laughs> unsurprisingly. I was composed the whole time. So composed. That's because I also want to um, make celebrities be aware that there are some people in the world that are already aware that, that celebrities aren't gods. They're just normal people like the rest of us. But if I ever did encounter a celebrity in the streets, instead of asking for an autograph or a selfie, what I'd rather do is preferably have a meal with them and get to know them, what they're like off screen. Absolutely. And not ask them for any favours. Yes. I think that's why you have such a great podcast because you have been able to get a lot of celebrities on the show, big famous celebrities, but you're so interested in who they are. You don't go straight to the normal questions that they get. You have really meaningful conversations and they relax. They sound like they relax with you very quickly. Mm. And um, what kind of questions, normal questions did you mean? I just think that it's beautiful that, you know, you made them really relaxed. You asked them about what it was like behind the scenes. You didn't ask them really gushy questions like, what's like- it like being famous or, you know. <laughs> you you seem very cool. Do you ever get nervous? Nope. Really? I just feel excited and honoured. What about before the TV show? Did you watch the show? Did you watch yourself back? Yes, I did, but it kind of felt weird because it, it's kind of weird Watching yourself on screen. What did it feel like? I was kind of cringing a lot (laughs) because it was new. Yes. Did you feel better in season two? Were you more familiar with watching yourself or not really? Probably more familiar, but I sometimes tend to um, worry what others think because I'm sensitive to the feelings of others. Yes. It stands out that you're very empathetic. Yeah, especially when I'm around women because- they're extremely sentimental. <laughs> Why do you think you would make a great husband? Because I don't drink, I don't gamble, I don't smoke, I don't take drugs. I save my money, I use it wisely. And because my father raised me to be a gentleman, both my parents did. And because I have chivalry, apparently. Yes, you do. <laughs> what do you mean, apparently? Have people told you that? Yeah, I just rather be humble about it. <laughs> Rather than making it sound like a, like like it's boastful. Yes. I think you're very humble given that you have fans from all over the world. The most recent episode on your podcast, I heard there was a fan from Germany who wrote you a letter. Yeah. I wouldn't say wrote a letter. They just sent me an email. Oh. That's similar. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, but the more modern way. Yeah, right. What would you say is your ideal date? Basically having a beautiful dinner somewhere fancy, then go ballroom dancing afterwards. Ballroom dancing. And then spend some alone time together after that. Amazing. Well, I've also heard because you are so humble and you are very chivalrous that you tend to play down a lot of your achievements as well. But 
I want to hear what are some of the things you've been able to achieve since the show. Well, as Ellen, of course. Huge. And I've had fans on Instagram messaging me saying that they've wanted to send me gifts, you know, crystals, shirts. I know. It's <laughs> it's so cool. I guess it is. <laughs> and you're still in Wollongong? Yep, still living in Wollongong. It's a beautiful part of the world. I love Wollongong. I suppose it is, but I've also somewhat outgrown it a bit. Yes. Well, you are Mr. A plus now. <laughs> yeah. Whereabouts are you based? In Melbourne. Oh, Melbourne. But I come to Sydney. My best friend lives in Sydney. And every now and then we'll go for a, a little road trip, you know, into New South Wales. And ah. I've spent some time in Wollongong because it's such a beautiful part of the world. I didn't see you there, though. I was very disappointed. Uh, when was this? <laughs> it was a long before the show. It was a long time since I've yeah, been there. You, I was a nobody back then. Yeah, I don't think you were a nobody. <laughs> How has it changed you? It's kind of exposed me a lot more in Australia, but also around the world. Mm. And now I've finally become somebody that women want to take notice of. They do. Do you like that? Yes. But before the show, they most likely would not have had any interest whatsoever. For anyone who doesn't watch the show, I've recommended it actually on, on this show as a source of yay for particularly we've had a bit of a hard few years and you bring so much positivity and warmth and your show brings a lot of joy and yay to people. But for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, why do you think it's a really special show? Why do you think it went so well around the world? Mostly because um, it's very different to The Bachelor and Married at First Sight and Love Island and all those shows. This show wasn't done for drama. This was done authentically. Mm. Yes. I think personally I didn't necessarily understand the variety and the diversity of how autism can manifest and how differently it impacts people. Yeah. But it also I think humanised and normalised people who aren't neurotypical mm. and made the mainstream you know, the mainstream media kind of help us all understand. Are there any ways that you think people misunderstood Asperger's before that they now understand better? I'm not too sure, actually. <laughs> I'm not really an expert on that. Yeah. What are you an expert on then? Let's talk about things that make you yay. Maybe Gilligan's Island. I've heard that. And you dressed up as someone from Gilligan's Island for Comic-Con. Is that right? That's called Supernova. And I was dressed as the skipper. Right. As a tribute to the to the actor who played him, R.I.P. And also because Dawn Wells and that actor, Alan Hale Jr., they were very close in reality. And he reminded both me and her of our dads. <laughs> what do your parents think about you being famous? They're actually all, all cool with it. Are they? Do they get stopped yeah. in the street? Like, oh, you're Michael's parents. Actually, my mother gets stopped on occasion, but I get stopped more than they do. Right. My dad is, is more of a private person. Okay. He's kind of camera shy as well. Is he? Yeah. Do they share your love for Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Do you nope. guys watch the set? Really? So you do watch it by yourself? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> and also, I'm one of the few people in this world that doesn't use streaming services. I'm one of the few people that still uses a DVD player. I heard that. Oh, my gosh. And you're waiting... What was I listening to? You were waiting for something new to come out on DVD. You hadn't watched the latest season. And I think 
Chelsea Peretti couldn't believe that you still have a DVD player. Actually, that was the eighth season I was waiting on, but I finally, but I've finally seen it. <gasps> okay, let's talk Brooklyn Nine Nine because this is it's my favorite show. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite episode? I don't really have a favorite episode. Really? I think a lot of them are great. Oh my gosh! What what do you think is the scene you're the best at replicating? I want to see your acting skills come out in this episode, please. Okay. <laughs> there was one called Return of the King, which was directed by Melissa Fumero. If I do an impression of, of Terry Jeffords, I'm not going to sound exactly like him because that could be taken the wrong way. <clears throat> Gina became an internet celebrity and um, she hadn't spoken to anyone from the 99 in months, but Jake got a call from her out of the blue and Terry became suspicious of her, of her motives. Ah, oh, I remember this one. When she asked them if they want to hang out at a bar and have drinks together that night, Terry and Jake had a conversation like this. <clears throat> Sorry. I gotta say, I'm surprised Gina invited us to drinks tonight. She obviously only invited us over to her place because she needed a favor. Why are you still so down on her? I've been through this before. In college, I had a football buddy, Brian Ungerbert. Oh, let me guess. You guys were best friends, then he got drafted into the NFL, and now you never talk. No, he got drafted into the Canadian Football League, became a long snapper for Ottawa, and even that level of success ruined our friendship. He's still playing? How is that possible? You're 35 to 60 years old. It's Canada. They don't tackle as hard. And anyway, his career became the only thing that mattered. He was off doing photo shoots, commercials, speaking at long snapping conventions. Is that a thing? In Canada, it's like the Oscars. Look, the point is, he stopped making time for his friends. All right, fine, but that's not what's happening here. Nothing has changed of Gina. She's not an Ungerbert. Did you do that whole thing without a script in front of you? Yep. How do you remember that? I just watched that scene a few times and it just sinks in. That is amazing. But if you really want to see my acting skills, i got to show you what else I can do. Do you remember that film, The Grinch, with Jim Carrey? I sure do. Mind if I do something like that? Please do it. All right. <laughs> I also got to do one from A Bug's Life as well, if I may. Absolutely. I love A Bug's Life. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Of course they are. That's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what it's always been about. Gifts. Gifts. Gifts, 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 gifts. You want to know what happens to your gifts? They all come to me. In your garbage. You see what I'm saying? In your garbage! I could hang myself with all the bad Christmas neckties I found in the dump. And the avarice. The avarice never ends! I want diamonds, I want golf clubs, I want a diamond, I want a pony so I can ride it twice, get bored and sell it to make glue! Look out to make waves, but this whole Christmas season is stupid, stupid, stupid! There is, however, one teeny tiny Christmas tradition I find quite meaningful. <laughs> Mistletoe. Now pucker up and kiss it, Hoover. Oh my gosh, that was so good. <laughs> now I can do another one of him, if I Go may. For it. Absolutely. This is the best. This is bringing me so much yay. No, for those who's inviting me down there. On such short notice, even if I wanted to go, my schedule wouldn't allow it. Four o'clock, 
Wallow in self-pity. 4.30, stare into the abyss. 5 o'clock, solve world hunger. Tell no one. 5.30, jazzercise. 6.30, dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. <sighs> 7 o'clock, wrestle myself loathing. I'm booked. <laughs> Over bump the loathing to nine as though time to lay in bed, stare at the ceiling and slip slowly into madness. <laughs> but what would I wear? How do you remember all of those lines? Like I said, watch it a few times and then it sinks in. You're going to make the most amazing actor because they they won't even have to give you a script. They'll just give it to you once or they'll play it to you once and then you'll just remember it. I'm also able to improvise as well. Really? Do you do improv classes or do you just improvise by yourself? Not really, by myself. And um, I just, you remember when I mentioned A Bug's Life? Yeah. Mind if I do an impression of Hopper? Please do. Because I want to show the audience what I can really also do as well. Absolutely. They've always seen me as formal and professional, but I want to show them what I can also do. Mm -hmm. But I just want to let you know that this monologue will will sound very angry and probably pretty harsh. Okay. Mind if I do it? I'd love to see it. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. (laughs) Does anybody else want to stay? How was that? So good. (laughs) It's like you go into character and then your facial expressions, the voice, the tone, everything changes. Yeah. Just like that, though, and then you just come back out of it. It's it's nothing. It's amazing. Did you do classes? Like, have you always? What? No. I've I've been doing this ever since I was a kid. Really? In private at home. And you just practiced? Is that how you- Because you're doing different characters straight after each other. Now, I want to do another impression, but and I want you to tell me how harsh this one really is. Okay. I want you to tell me. Okay. Show leaves over. Get your sorry carcasses on board now. How harsh was that? Oh, my gosh. You should see the audio blowing out. That's how angry it is. It's like, rah! It is? <laughs> but in a good way. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, how did you start doing these impressions? Did you just pick shows that you liked and characters that you like and then practice yeah. their voice? Yeah, of course. How did it begin? Was it with Thomas the Tank? Was that your first one? Well, that was like one of the first shows I started watching it when I was a kid. I was three years old at the time. So Three? Yeah. So that's now 25 years. There was a new one though, wasn't there? Was there a new Thomas the Tank? Thomas and Friends that came out? Actually, um, that's the original show. Now it, now there's a reboot, which right. in my book is terrible. Okay. You're a purist. You like the original versions. Yes. Just like with Disney films, the remakes can, to say. can never can never capture the authenticity and the purity and the wholesomeness of the originals can. I agree. I agree. I'm like original, The Lion King, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, all of those. I don't want the remake. I'm sure exactly. they're great, but I the original in 2D with, a, you know, all the characters look like one pixel. I don't care. Love it. Although with the Disney films, they're not really too interested in- the Little Mermaid. What are your favourite Disney films? Alice in Wonderland. <gasps> 101 Dalmatians. Oh, I love that one. Who doesn't? <laughs> so good. Beauty and the Beast. 
Aladdin, The Lion King, Tangled, both Frozen films because I'm actually quite a closet fan of them. Frozen, I feel like, is new generation though. It's recent, isn't it? Yeah. But you're in the closet about it. You don't tell people? Yeah. Well, <laughs> sort of because I'm, it's not exactly something a man would watch. <laughs> Do you know what though? I feel like you've taught me a lot about masculinity through watching the show. Yeah. I think a lot of people around the world have seen a real gentleman in you in a way that they don't see on mm. other dating shows, and it's very refreshing. Thanks. And I also learned something as well. If a man says to a woman, we'll talk about it later, do you know what he actually means? <laughs> what does he mean? That's more of a man's way of saying, I don't want to talk about it at all ever again. <laughs> yes. I'm slowly learning that. <laughs> but, but also the other thing is a lot of – some men just can't be bothered putting in at least five or ten minutes to listen to their – to their partner, to what she has to say is probably important anyway. I think you would be a very good listener as a partner, a very good listener. But she would have to like Disney films though, obviously. Not necessarily. Really? That's not a deal breaker? No. It's acting, she'd have to be able to listen to your impressions though? Well, if she doesn't like or appreciate my, my acting work, that's kind of a turn off. Yeah, I agree. If you could date a Disney princess, who would you date? Uh, that's a bit bit of a tough one. It's hard. <laughs> They're all amazing. <laughs> but um, most likely it, I would probably choose Anna. Really? Yep. There you go. I would have thought like Jasmine or Belle. Belle's so sweet. Yeah. Do you sing the songs or do you just do – do you do any Disney uh, impressions? Depends. Well, depends on the characters, but I am surprisingly able to do Gaston, I think. Please do show. But I don't share his views, though. Okay. That's a good distinction. He's a bit of- he's not necessarily very chivalrous. You're right. Okay. He said this to Belle. Picture this. A rustic hunting lodge. My latest kill roasting on the fire. <laughs> my little wife massaging my feet. Or the, or the little ones play on the floor with the dogs. We'll have six or seven. I remember that scene. <laughs> and she, she thought he meant dogs, but he was like, no, Belle, strapping boys like me. <gasps> that line was so good. It was? Yes. I remember that part of the movie so distinctly. And her face is going, when he goes, and you can massage my feet. And her face goes, ew. <laughs> <laughs> six or seven sons. I would hate that. Would you like kids? I've never really dreamed of being a father, but I am kind of open to it. But not six or seven? <laughs> That's too many. No. <laughs> two, two is enough. <laughs> Lovely neighbourhood. you might remember our incredible guest from episode 115, Blair James, who started out in a town of just 1,000 people, only to grow Bondi Sands to over 50 products in a whopping 30,000 retailers worldwide. Since then, Bondi Sands has launched an incredible everyday skincare range packed with Australian botanicals that has something for every skin type, even the sensitive ones like mine. I love an Aussie business, as you all know, especially one that serves up that glow all within 100% recyclable 
recyclable post-consumer packaging. And the range itself has options to cleanse, treat, hydrate, protect and mask with packaging colours and shapes to identify each one. And there's a skincare quiz online to help you choose what's right for you. My favourites are the Golden Hour Brightening Vitamin C Serum, Bondi Bay Purifying Clay Mask, especially with all the travel and makeup at work at the moment, and most importantly, the Sunny Days Hydrating SPF 50 Plus Moisturiser. Sun care is so incredibly important for our skin, as we all know. I'll pop the link in the show notes for you to check it out. So for anyone else out there who is looking for love and who maybe watched Love on the Spectrum and loved watching you date and figure out what you love in a partner and what you don't like in a partner, do you have any advice on dating and finding love? Well, don't give up. And if you have an opportunity to meet somebody or go on a date with someone, take it. See what they're like. Test the waters. See what they're like as people. But don't be hasty enough to rush into things. Just give people a chance and just enjoy yourselves as well. And what about people who have big goals like starting a podcast or being an actor and maybe face some obstacles of people either underestimating you because of Asperger's or I think a lot of us face barriers in different ways to our confidence. But you've obviously gone on and even though one of the challenges for you has been social skills, you've had some amazing conversations on your show. Well, with this, with the podcasting and acting thing, I don't really have much advice because I didn't work for any of those things. They just came. Well, you're very good at them. Thanks. Was it a goal to have a podcast? No, it wasn't. Really? Well, my agent asked me, well, she simply said to me that a lot of other people wanted to get me on, on their podcast because of Love on the Spectrum. And then she asked me, why don't you have your own? Then I thought about it for, for quite a few weeks and decided maybe I should. I think you're very good at it, particularly since Thanks. it wasn't on the cards, like you didn't train for it or prepare no. for it. Well, the best thing about being a podcaster is just interview your guests as casually, but also with some formality as well. Mm-hmm. And also make it a safe space where they can feel comfortable and that words are welcome. That's excellent advice. But also um, just be mindful of what you say on podcasts. Absolutely. it's It comes with some responsibility and also knowing that the episodes will be online forever maybe, yeah. you know, you do have to create a safe space for people. And if you have producers that that work with you on the podcast, show them that you appreciate their hard work. Absolutely. And because I'm not a one-man crew. There's a whole Mr. A-plus team, isn't there? Yeah. If it wasn't for them, the podcast would never have been possible. You said to Stephanie Beatrice, I think, that you would love to have the whole cast of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Sofia Vergara on the show. Yeah. (laughs) Who's your dream guest list? Well, I want to interview all the cast members of my favourite shows, but mm-hmm. also my my dream male guest is Mark Evan Jackson. Who's that? I haven't heard of him. Oh, for God's sake. Why do so many <laughs> people not know who he is? <laughs> Maybe if he went on your podcast, we would all know who he is. <laughs> okay. Let me ask you this. You, you've, seen Brook, you've seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You know who Kevin Costner is. Then you should know who Mark Evan Jackson is. Who is Mark Evan Jackson? <laughs> he plays Kevin Costner, for God's sake. Oh, in um, Nine-Nine. 
Yes. Oh. That's him. Oh, my gosh. Oh, of course I know him. So he's your, he's your ultimate male guest you'd love on the show. Yes. In fact, he's one of my biggest inspirations for comedy. Wow. Because, because his voice is so dry, deadpan, and flat, unlike my dad. It is very deadpan. He's so funny when he speaks to Holt, Captain Holt. Raymond, yeah. can you please do your impression? I think you did it for me before. Sure. <clears throat> Look, Raymond, a yellow crystal warbler. <laughs> oh, they're so funny. They're such a good couple. Yes, they are. <laughs> you also spoke to Stephanie a lot. She really opened up to you about coming out as bisexual and obviously yeah. Raymond Holt and uh, and Kevin Costner are, are a gay couple. I yeah. think that's also a point of difference that people are learning to celebrate rather than suppress. How do you create a safe space for people on your show? Well, I might have said this before, but I actually support the LGBT community because mm. they, they, they deserve rights. They deserve to be treated equally and – it's nothing to be ashamed about. In fact, I, I'm actually friends with some people that are part of that community. Mm. Like Stephanie is a friend of yours now, I think. Uh, I, would, I would say so. In fact, I'm actually also a, feel, a fan of Encanto. Yes, she did the voice, didn't she, for one of the main character? Yep, she did. <gasps> That's so cool. In fact, not only does she have a Colombian background, but also Sofia Vergara does. Of course. Her character on Modern Family always reminds me of my mother. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You should oh, imagine if you could get her on the podcast. What would you ask her? <sighs> Pretty much very similar questions to what I ask my guests, but also take the opportunity to introduce her to my mother. Right. Do you think and they'd get I'll, along? <laughs> yeah. And then I would say, say to my mother, now I can finally put my case to sleep. Yes. Well, as you know, the name of this podcast is Seize the Yay, which is a play on Seize the Day. So, sort of swapping, yeah, swapping the normal metrics that a lot of people measure their lives on, like success or money or milestones and goals, which are important. But I think joy and fulfillment and whether you're happy and healthy and have loved ones around you is. Much more important in life. Yes, of course. But money is also important because money is a tool. Money is what we need to, to pay bills, put food on the table, and afford things that we need and also want for personal pleasure. Money doesn't doesn't buy everything. It just buys the things that we, that we need, need to mm. afford. Money is just a tool. That's it. That's so true. It's not your value. It's not a no. reflection of your worth or, or and it's also not it doesn't equal happiness. I think some people think it will bring yeah. them joy on its own. For rich men, money means power. But for someone like myself, money means security. Yes. And, and, and thus securing my chances of, of settling down with a woman. Yeah, and finding your person. Exactly. Because if I don't have money, how am I supposed to provide for my wife, let alone kids? And especially if there's six or seven. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be a terrible provider. And not to mention a crap husband and also a crap father. You will be a wonderful husband and a wonderful father. Well, I think you would. Because if I'm ever going to be a father, I want the best for my kids like my father did. Yeah. So I think one thing that because money is a bit of a distraction, I think it distracts people in society quite a yes, bit. Yes, it does. What 
advice do you have? You're very clear on what you're passionate about and what brings you yay. A lot of people don't know what makes them happy. They're so distracted that they don't even know what they like and they can't find their passion and they're unhappy in their job. And, you know, this podcast for me is having conversations with people who know what makes them yay and how they got there to inspire others. What advice do you have? How do you, how do you find what makes you passionate? How do you make time for your hobbies and what makes you passionate? Let me put it this way. You can't prioritize your work life. You need to have a, a work-life balance. Another important thing is you still need to make time for your family and friends even when you are busy because family and friendships are both important. Mm. But also, rent these days is ridiculously expensive. And look at me. I'm 28 now and I still live with my parents, even though it makes me feel like I'm still behind in life. But people around me have told me that, that it's nothing to be embarrassed about. Absolutely not. And if you want to know what you're passionate about, just search your heart and see what you love to do and what you love. That's amazing advice. For example, if you're to give a speech at a wedding, don't write a rehearsed speech. Just search your heart and say what you're feeling. Mm. It's interesting that you touched on feeling behind. And I think that also distracts people a lot from- yeah joy because they feel like they've got to hustle all the time and never rest and never make time for happiness. But That's a ridiculous way to live. Isn't it? Life is not a race. Life is a journey. Life is is like a book. Chapters are like years. Pages are like months. And paragraphs are like days in a week. That's such a beautiful analogy. I've never heard anyone say that. And a sentence in a paragraph is like maybe an hour of a day. Mm. Oh, that was beautiful, Michael. People should start looking at life as like, like a book. Absolutely. Well, I'm so grateful for your time. That was the most Thanks. beautiful quote to end on. I usually ask people for their favourite quote, but I feel like that was a beautiful quote. Your own quote was more beautiful than any quote than you could pick. <laughs> Thank you. Is there anything you would like to leave the audience with about seizing your yay or finding your joy? All I can say is don't always put work first. Make time for your family and friends, even when you are busy, because that's what I do. And make time for yourself as well. You can't spend your whole life being a people pleaser because it's just not possible. And in the world of dating, when you get yourself the best catch, do not throw him or her back. Cherish your partner. Show them every day how much you love and care for them. Don't tell them. Show them. Whether it's making them a meal or taking them out somewhere or giving them a gift of some sort. Anything. And in life, always stay safe. Take care of yourself and always stay true to yourself as well. Don't try to be something you're not. But also, chase your dreams if you have them. Don't let anyone stand between you and your destiny. And also, very importantly, live life to the fullest, the best you can. Amazing. But working and hustling all the time is not going to cut it. You're right. Well, that was just a beautiful way to end. I think everyone should watch Love on the Spectrum if they haven't or listen to Mr. A+. I'll make sure to put the links to your podcast in the show notes. Is there anything else coming up that we should look out for from you or or just follow the podcast and see what you're up to? Well, just keep following the podcast because there'll be episodes released every week. 
no question, no doubt. And <laughs> I'm still pursuing acting as a career. That's my one of my biggest goals for this year. And there is something going on in the pipeline, but I can't re- really reveal too much at the moment. Well, that's exciting. But in the very near future, I do intend to visit England. <gasps> Wait. England that you're obsessed with? Yes. Oh, my gosh. How exciting. Have you been before? Uh, No. <gasps> oh, it's amazing. My mum is the same as you, obsessed with England, obsessed, <sighs> everything English. She She goes once a year. She saves all her money to be in England once a year, and she just – it's like in another life she lived there or something. She just mm. feels – at home there. She loves the culture, the history, the royals. She loves the royal family. We have English tea. We have everything is English. She's obsessed. So I hope you have the most amazing time. Thank you, Sarah. And hopefully I'll meet a woman there. (gasps) Imagine a British wife for you. Yep, an English rose. (gasps) An English rose. All right. Well, we've all got our fingers and toes crossed for you. Thank Thank you you so much for joining. This was absolutely wonderful. (laughs) It's my pleasure, Sarah. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Michael truly is a special soul and what a wonderful person to help shift societal misconceptions about neurodiversity. It was a real privilege that he said yes to jumping on the show. So if you enjoyed listening, please do take a screenshot right now, do it now and share particularly this month and tag at Mr. A plus Michael, all with hyphens in between each word to thank him for his time and wisdom and to keep growing the neighborhood as far and wide as possible. I always forget to ask or even when I remember it is so awkward, but if you haven't yet and feel like throwing me a belated birthday present, reviews are really what helps us keep getting guests like Michael. So please do take a second if you haven't already to leave one on the Apple Podcast app if it feels right. We've got so much lined up in the coming weeks, so I cannot wait to share with you guys. And in the meantime, I hope you're seizing your yay.